And we're back, guys, to another episode of Obri on the Pod. Once again, sponsored out, sponsored by Coco Tasso, here with the newly named DJ, which is me, Mike. As always, I've been presented in the pod. We have finally came up with a DJ name for myself. It will be late night, one word. Please, please follow me on late night.ofc. I'm going to work on trying to do a little trick to transfer over and have the one without the dot and another um, Instagram handle that I have. Uh, I'm really excited to start this journey. And uh, yeah, I mean, it really was with the great help of, of Danny on the pod to help me brainstorm and, and really figure it out. And honestly, that kind of prompts today's topic on our, uh, on our podcast, which is to discuss a little bit of history about myself. But before we get into that, how are you doing, Danny? How's everything going? <laughs> How's that? How are your tracks going? How are your balls hanging? How's everything Yo, going? What, a, what an intro, man. I like that intro. I think we're going to use you for the intro, man, every episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm good at those things. Follow us on Spotify, Anchor, all platforms, Obri, you, you have a. Uh... You have a radio voice, late night radio voice, R and B, nineteen ninety nine. Nah, more so than you. I mean, I'm saying you have it more than me. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to. Uh... No, my track is going good. I'm, I'm done collecting feedback because everybody's feedback is different. Um, the people that that go out and dance, they like it. That's the only thing that matters. Um, so technical feedback from producers right now doesn't matter to me anymore because I've done everything I could on it. I don't want to keep going in there and tweaking and you know just changing things. It is what it is. It's the first single that I'm dropping, and I'm just gonna leave it as is. And it's I think it's a fun it's a fun song. I'm gonna it's not it's not perfect. You know the 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 build up is not. It's not the best build-up, you know, but I like it, so I'm going with it, and it is it is what it is. But I'm going to make a video for it, and I'm going to – I think the release date is mid-April, so I'll just say April 15th now. But uh, I have to see – I got to see how everything works from distributing through United Masters to uploading it on Spotify because I was reading – you have to fill out – like if you want to, you want to submit it for um for playlists. You have to fill out like a, a whole bunch of stuff and then like talk about yourself because these are real people at Spotify that actually read these, and then they listen to your song and decide like, oh, I'll put it on this playlist or that playlist. So that's actually a big thing on uh for music on Spotify now is play getting playlisted. So hopefully it gets on a couple playlists, but yeah, mid April, April fifteenth. I'm looking at for release date, and uh, I'm hyped to get it out there, man. You know, so yeah, uh, we're, we're all excited, you know, to to hear the track. I mean, my personal feedback, I think it's an amazing debut track, and uh, it really, you know, like you said, you can't constantly long for feedback. I think you know a lot of people could relate that could constantly get feedback and just get swayed in different directions. It's kind of even like going with your DJ yeah. career, production career. Yeah, people saying no, people saying yes. Oh, you got to go about it like this way. When you're debuting something, you should try to sign to a label. You know, there's so many different paths you could take. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no limits in creativity in the tracks, but uh, I think we're all excited, and I think it it does represent 
kind of all the work you put into your sound that's going to be coming out uh, in the future. And the the story behind it, I think, is, is awesome. And it, it kind of reps for, for New York, where we're from. And it kind of mm-hmm. hopefully gets the people dancing again. You know what I mean? That's the whole point of this music. So. And, and it's not it's not a constant loop. And it's it's extremely it's an extremely variable track. And I, I, I'll call it an intelligent track uh, because there's so many different elements to it and and glitch drums and different different sounds and it's so unique on every single kind of uh, phrase if you want to call it of, of each side of it so I'm really excited for you to debut your track um, I'm working on kind of my track it's not going to be a debut track but pretty much my first track in Ableton uh, but you know hopefully I'll be meeting you on the Spotify playlist very very yeah. soon yeah hopefully man oh no not not hopefully definitely <laughs> not and, definitely uh, and then and then we'll get out we'll get out that uh that collaboration together so that oh yeah too. oh that, that's probably the something that i'm the most excited about because it really i think it's a it's a beautiful song that we're deriving it from and there's so many different kind of different focuses on reggaeton these days in terms of repping the latin culture and in in house music and we're kind of bringing it bringing it back into a you know the old school these these are these are the rhythms and the drums and the sounds that influence so much of the music that we listen to now reggaeton dance hall house music and collabing both i think is a genius idea but i also don't want to give away too much because honestly i think it's going to be an awesome 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 track to debut you know collaboration together and just express our mutual sound which is like you know i think it's an awesome collaboration together yeah now yeah i can't wait to get back in there and uh really work on that vocal so remember you got to collect all and save and send me that file so i can work not the vocal work on that sample yeah 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 because you know we we had something going just because we wanted to see how it sounds like the, but I really want to, I want to um, chop that sample up myself so I can get really good chopped up uh, pieces of it and then mess around on the, on MIDI to try to get like a nice melody going on with that. Cause it's, it's a good, it's nice. Uh, that trumpet sound is really nice chopped up. So if we can get something like good going, then I think uh, we can work from that. We get a melody first and then we work from that. Yeah, all I got to say is so far is so good with how far we've come with it. And it just it kind of goes to show, like even comparing how we probably could have worked on that track all day. And I won't say you could finish it in one day, but pretty much finished majority of it and expressed the mood and kind of our feelings and our thoughts and the ideas into that track into one day. And then, you know, of course, mastering it out and mixing it down is, you know, it's a few couple more days as well. But it kind of goes to show how, some tracks could take you forever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And some tracks could really come together in, in one day and just so many different approaches they could go when it comes to, you know, production, uh, specifically, you know, uh, in this case, right? Like your debut track took a little bit. We came with Lucky Day and honestly, we didn't have that much time together and we really came up with an awesome, awesome baseline for a track. Yeah, so that we got the idea, the idea out and that's what I like to do. I like to at least day one, get my idea out and at least get like a loop going. And then I'll, I'll come back the next day and listen to it. And if it still sounds good the next day, 
then just get a simple arrangement out really fast and and then work from there um so we got the idea out so that's good but i think you know we we'll, we'll keep refining that idea because there's a lot there's just a lot from that one sample that we can do and um like i said from that melody we can easily get the baseline because we just put the notes you know one or two octaves down um and then we just you know get some drums going and boom we have a basic loop and then we put it in arrangement work on the intro breaks build outro boom and then you know you put all the little other sound effects or whatever glitches you want to put in there maybe maybe other like uh some percussion so but we'll, we'll we're gonna get that done um but yeah anyway more let's talk about you because i want everybody to know who you are on the on the artist podcast that i do so late night i like that name we came up with it last week we we've been trying to get mike a dj name since july when we started when we started albany and we started doing the party said you got to get a name now you know because we got to put something on the flyer and it was mike before but he wanted something he wanted something different you know something that represented you something cool something that looks good on flyers something brandable anyway it's been what almost almost 10 months or so uh, or nine months and finally last wednesday after we recorded the podcast we just said you know what we're gonna stay here and we're going to keep fucking brainstorming and just throwing out words until we get the name. And yeah, we were doing that. And then you were spitting out words. You were looking at words. And you said, I think you said either last night or late night. And there was another name, but I forgot what it was. But then I said, oh, yeah, let's stay with that. Late night, late night, late night. We looked it up, wasn't taken, and it just felt right. And it it felt right to you, too. So that that was the most important part. So I'm glad we, we got that done because that's so important. I think I think I told you that I, I was I'm jealous you got that because that's a, such a good name, bro. Late night. Yeah, I mean, uh, in today's day and age, and, and in music, you like the way that I thought about it. It just felt night. Uh, I mean, my sound I feel nowadays a little bit more, uh, I guess, prime hour or after hours kind of late night, and the sound I'll be probably projecting will be more uh, that I'm really interested in will be kind of more so in in that after hours element and i'm not speaking about new york city after hours even the states after hours i'm talking about an extended set sound that'll be used in tracks that'll be used in this and extent my expression of music will definitely not necessarily be very commercialized and i feel that kind of it just goes with my persona i've always have been a night bird um the sound that i enjoy you know it's very well known on this pod and i think every pod if they search it the word marco corolla is brought up a thousand <laughs> times but like you know, a sun waves, Marco Corolla's uh, kind of sound, or what's played that minimal tech house, or minimal uh, minimal tech. You know, if you want to really call it that, there's a whole many so many arguments these days about what what to call what. But I think it's a great presentation of me. It's a very cool, catchy name, and you, you know, when you come up with a DJ name, I think it's really important to kind of think think of it on flyers. Think about how much you could how you could build a brand around that name. Uh, how can you kind of put a twist on the words in terms of branding a party under your new name? So, uh, you know, personally, I, it just felt right. You know, when it feels right, it feels right. And there's so many different names that, that are out there. And, you know, I'm not sure how many listeners have went through it, but if you really start searching, 
some names that you just come up with and they're completely random, they're already taken by DJs. And, you know, yeah. so that's how you're detriment. You can't really take it. You can't take a twist on it because it's going to impede your ability to kind of spread your name out because you'll be kind of competing with that person with the same name. You know, Discogs, they're going to search yeah. you. They're gonna, you're going to come up. If they search you on Bandcamp or Spotify, you're going to come up, you know, to different people. Like, or Google, yeah, your, your uh, SOE results, you know, the uh, you know your stance in it. SEO, like, yeah. SEO, excuse me, excuse me. Um, you know, it, those are really important things in today's day and age. And, you know, the farting part is I was kind of watching some old videos from early 2010s, early 2000s, and how much the music game has changed. But that's a whole different segment that, that could be discussed. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm really excited to start this new chapter uh, in terms of my kind of like DJ career, uh, which, you know, we'll be discussing much more thoroughly today. But I guess where we could start really are the origins, right? Of where, you know, my interest in the music started, I guess DJing or my kind of interest into the music and kind of what drove me to where I was from the start to where I am now, pretty much. Yeah. So what, what I, I know we, I think, I think we, you told me before, but I forgot. So well, what, what got you into not music because everyone's into music, but what was that moment where you where you thought, oh shit, I want to DJ? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, you know, just to give some background. Of course, everyone has a very similar history in in New York in my age group. Oh, I grew up on you know so and so artists uh, like Jonathan Peters, Louis DeVito, mm-hmm. all those titans in the in the music kind of scene of New York early on. So I always loved listening to them and I always had an ear open to them. I've watched their live sets on YouTube, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, I started getting exposed to more European artists, more artists that are more international, such as, you know, Danny Tanaglia. And so I think more or less in 2011, 2010, I went to my first party, right? Which is Danny Tanaglia's 50th birthday at Best Buy Theater. And... That was, you know, the best party of my life because the the sound was so perfect. The experience that he created was so amazing. It kind of was like a recreation of vinyl. If I really think back these days, the thing that was to the detriment of it is there was a dance floor or like, you know, a standing audience area because it is the best by theater. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not a club. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and in the back, there's like, you know, movie theater seats. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, you know, that that goes with kind of saying on the topic. So when I saw him, you know, DJ, I, I got really into kind of the music, like very deeply into house, techno, tech house. I really expanded my my sound palette uh, from, from that time on outside of the New York realm, right? Because everybody kind of grows up on the Boris's, the Victor Calderon's, the Louis DeVito. My, my sister, you know, went to all these parties when she was younger and she brought back CDs. And a lot of people, you any SoundCloud uh, biography you read has a similar influence. And, you know, that's just where we're from. And it's I'm thankful that I'm from this city, that I had such experiences. And it opens up the door to these type of, you know, this this music to me, you know, because, you know, let's say I grew up in Kansas City, you know, in Kansas City, I wouldn't have that level of exposure. But yeah. in terms of DJing, you know, after that kind of summer in 2011, I guess, let's say, I started, um, I started, you know, going to a lot of more shows. I started uh, seeing a lot more different DJs, and I started really just. I got into, you know, watching um, 
be at TV, which is, you know, actually yeah. a recording of when a DJ was actually mm-hmm. playing. So I'm watching him play on controllers TV. using uh, CDJs, using track there. And I'm like, damn, I, I was young. I was broke. I was going through college. I was going through, um, you know, of course, having kind of a shitty, you know, kind of college job. And, you know, I, I figured out there's something called track there. So I'm like, I started doing a ton of research um, when it came to uh, Tractor and how I could kind of um, have so buy a controller and use Tractor. And I saw every DJ using it, so I felt like it was common. You know, CDJs were dying at that point, and that boom in, in using electronic um, or laptops really happened around that time. So I got really mm-hmm. lucky. So, you know, uh, at first I started using virtual DJ, you know, everybody had, that's the rite of passage for everybody. I started using virtual DJ in 2011, um, started, started creating mixes on virtual DJs, recording them, saving them. Um, I have an old SoundCloud where I posted them. I still have external hard drive that has everything. And I'll just share them with friends. Mm. Uh, and we would listen to them if we hung out or in the basement, etc. So then I'm like, you know, what? I really like this, and I'm learning the foundation here. Like, I need to save some money, so I saved money, and then I bought a Hercules 4MX, which is actually a four deck player with two decks. It's an extremely tiny DJ deck. I mean, me and you've DJed on it together yeah, yeah, plenty, plenty of times, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, I guess I kind of I know you knew about Tractor, but I guess I kind of made you. Kind of get used to using Tractor, uh, even though you. No, I, I didn't guess, use the uh, Tractor. We, I just used oh. the Hercules with you. Yeah, so I'm not, but Tractor was basically feeding the music. Oh into yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you came from CDJs, from turntables, and eventually you Serato. So you know you had a <laughs> a whole different kind of upbringing in your DJ career. For me, I kind of went into Tractor, so I started creating mixes and just created a DJ name. I went by my regular name, Mike Wisnowski. Um, and I started just creating mixes on SoundCloud. And that's all my sound. I still have all these mixes. So I started developing my sound, et cetera, sharing it with friends. And I really started aspiring, you know, to play parties. Then eventually, you know, I, I, uh, I met a friend and he had the Tractor S4. And that was $1,000, you know. And I was still happy and content. And, you know, I don't know if people remember the early days. Tractor has been around for, you know, I think 20 years now. A lot of these have been using since like 04, 03, wow, 05. Yeah. It was it was but, always dubbed as like for house DJs. That was the thing. Yeah, no, it's pretty much really designed for them. There's not really much. I've seen some hip hop DJs use it, track to try to kind of sell it that way. But in all honesty, hip hop DJs don't necessarily use too many effects. You know, of course they use filters, maybe echo sound effects to kill a track and things like that. But they don't necessarily need the elements that are in Tractor, which is a robust, robust uh, sound effects. A very, very uh, there's emulation on there of different type of mixers. You could have a Zone emulation on there, a Pioneer emulation. Oh, I think some okay. Denon emulation. So I actually had to map this Hercules 4MX to Tractor to actually have mm-hmm. the reaction from everything. So I don't remember some of the struggle days when we're trying to map it out or have it working when we're trying to make a mix together. And it was just like, you know, it was such a headache to maintain. But nevertheless, I getting to the scene, being exposed to different music kind of really made me fall in love with the idea of DJing. And it felt so complex to me at, at first. I'm like, well, I used to watch their really complex rigs and it really didn't make much sense to me. Like looking at an X1 or looking at um, the F1, which the X1 is kind of like a, I guess, a MIDI controller, if you will. 
that uh, it was like a sound effects MIDI controller uh, that you could connect um, to your tractor that helps you kind of emulate your, use your tracks, create loops, uh, helps you use your sound effects, et cetera. So all of that felt like, you know, like rocket science to me, you know? Uh, but yeah, so I started creating these mixes. I, I started posting them on SoundCloud. Uh, I guess I was, you know, that time was still very open and there was not that much, um, what's the word for it? I guess egos in the scene. So you kind of just go out there and you're not really scared because there's not that many people doing it yet, you know, in terms of the exposure that there is now and how many people are DJing now. So I just really released a bunch of mixes. I started DJing a lot of house parties for friends, you know, just getting invited to say, hey, we got an S4 set up, come. So I started DJing with them. I just bring my laptop, connect it. Um, and then eventually, as time passed, uh, I started investing a bit more equipment. So I bought the X1. I started learning how to navigate with that. Uh, and, you know, as time passed, I started playing bigger and bigger kind of parties with friends. Um, you know, it went from like kind of like a house party to like friends loft parties uh, to rooftops. Uh, to even you and I DJing together. So, you know, it was kind of just a gradual kind of growth into it. And like, you know, now I could really say I know I'm quite the expert in terms of equipment, how it works, how things are fed. I really could break down any real equipment, I think, with the comfortability I have. And I think that's really important for a lot of DJs to kind of do in their life because it's like the rite of passage. A lot of people just buy a standalone controller like a Pioneer, which I have now just for home mixing. And they have sync on there and they don't really know like the true what does what element of it. They just know reverb, filter, sync, low track here, low track there. I think it sounds cool and it's going to go, you know? So, yeah, it's kind of like the rite of passage. And then eventually, as time passed, right, started, uh, you and I collaborated together. I started going under the name of Mike, right? So, that was just influenced by a whole bunch of uh, Italian and British DJs were just putting a spin on their name, and I just stole the idea. Not necessarily stole it, but just used it on my name. So there was there was Vito, David. So I just said Mike, right, DJ. Very simple. Didn't put too much mind into it. And when you and I collaborated together, you know, you kind of kind of opened up the horizons for me, kind of coming with, you know, some of your experience and you kind of saying like, hey, listen, like, you know, there's house parties and there's all these different like things that you're doing, but we could really get beyond that. We could definitely, you know, we, we could get into clubs. We could finally start DJing a gig. We could uh, build our own brand. We could, uh, you know, uh, invest into the equipment. We could do sky's the limit pretty much, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we had some cool gigs together. We played, you know, still with friends and rooftops and stuff like mm -hmm. that. We played the, you know, the platform cafe, you know what I mean? <laughs> stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, uh, so, you know, eventually our our paths crossed together and we started going on this journey together. Even though you were a vetted DJ already at that time, I was still kind of like that young buck up and coming. I didn't really know the tricks of the trade. I felt, I felt like there was this, like, glass ceiling to break through it. Um, and... In, then I invested, of course, in the standalone controller. I got the RX2, started DJing, making more mixes under Mike. You and I created a, a DJ group together, RSR. RSR. Which I think was, you know, an awesome group. And we really rolled together, like, till the end of it. And not that it ever was canceled as an idea or anything like that. But then, of course, the pandemic hit. And many artists and people with aspirations kind of kind of stopped uh everything kind of stopped and you kind of, your dreams kind of 
or perhaps a lot of people's dreams or kind of urge, you know, behind these things kind of died. A lot of producers weren't really doing, creating that much music. I felt like that time got really stagnant. DJs that already mm. had that rapport would record like one mix a year or do it for like mm. a fundraiser, right? But they're already yeah. well off. They don't got to have that grind. And it was very, the outlook was very grim for a lot of us, you know? And that kind of happened to me. I kind of got very like, I kind of got sad about it, you know? I was like, you know, kind of was getting to the cusp. You and I were creating, um, you know, a brand together. You were working on a whole bunch of other projects at the time as well like a record label and um, a whole bunch of different things around your brand and your DJ name. And I felt like, you know, it just, it hurt, you know, I was like, there's no point, you know, it happens to everybody. There's no point to this. And, you know, now I kind of, everything got back to normal. And since then it's been really just a grind, grind. And like, instead of just knowing the technical pieces, let's say, you know, your DJ equipment inside and out, let's say, you know how to produce really well. Learning the industry is basically like learning a language um, when it comes to this. So now that's what we're doing, right? And we're taking the kind of the proper route to get exposure because this day and age, everybody could DJ, right? Everybody could get a standalone controller, use sync, not learn the basics, don't know how to beat match, don't know how to um, even lay a record onto a, a, a turntable. And... The art of DJing, I won't say it's dead because there's so much talent out there, but it's so saturated that you, you can't just get by by producing nonstop mixes, which we did that for a long time as well as a route. We took so many different routes, or I myself took so many different routes to get my name out there. And, you know, I have a really strong support base with you, my friends. You know, even now, whenever I, I play somewhere, people always say, man, you got to, like, really get yourself out there. And my biggest hurdle was uh, having the, the DJ name. Uh, because you, mm. it's literally who you are, you know, you can't just mm -hmm. say, look me up at, uh, I don't have a name. I'm, I'm unknown, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's kind of, I kind of went on a tangent there explaining a little bit of, uh, the start to finish of the history. Um, but there's many different influences that I've had and different like ups and downs in terms of kind of getting into becoming a DJ. Now we started our own brand. We're DJing our own parties. We're kind of making it our way. And I'm truly inspired, you know, through the path we're taking in terms of DJs, producers, and uh, I really see a positive outlook. It's always been a dream of mine to be a DJ. I truly, I don't want to sound corny, but I truly have those daydreams. And like, there's a whole bunch of people out there who sell you those ideas. If you manifest it, then you could get it, right? Mm -hmm. But manifestation without action gets you absolutely nowhere. So let's say you do believe in that mantra, you have those daydreams, and you truly feel in your heart that you could really make it, then, you know, and there's some action behind it, you could really get somewhere. It's not rocket science. It's just where we live now, it's a lot of egos, gatekeeping, and it's tough. So, you know, we're kind of taking the route that we're taking, and I'm truly inspired at in this point, especially with this new name that I have. I'm truly ready to go and really build my brand and myself, um, you know, around it. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. pretty much a quick synopsis of my history um of uh, you know djing and my ups and downs i mean it's very high level but in reality you know i can't i gotta tell everybody about dj gigs you know or train wrecking for the first time from everybody <laughs> and kind of you know being laughed at or having crappy mixes or you know using sync at the star or learning how to beat match on crappy new mark cdjs you know those are things that people just really need to do and i'm, I'm thankful that i had that path and we've had you know i, I personally you know my dj gigs have been just 
funny or weird, you know, just invited. Oh, play here. Okay. And I'll play there for hours, you know, because the initial DJ doesn't even want to do it. They don't care about it long enough, you know? Mm. So, okay. So you, you really loved it. It was a dream. So why didn't you like pursue it like to that next level? Did you just want to do it as a hobby or did you, like, did you want to DJ like clubs and parties or you just wanted to no, that's like, that's a great question. No, 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 that's a great question. In reality, it felt almost impossible for me to break through kind of um, that gatekeeping that's that's in this uh, city in terms of connections, right? Like, perhaps you're right. I should have maybe thrown everything away and gave it a try before I kind of started my life for real when I was first getting into it. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was just scared. You know, there's a lot of people that that's the, that's the honest truth. I was just scared to kind of drop everything and really just go for it, you know? Um, and that kind of, you know, it is to my detriment. I have a lot of catching up to do and have to do an, an actually harder kind of a harder game than there was then to get my name out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was just scared. You know, I had a career already in finance at the time. And that was going really well. I mean, it was extremely flexible. I was making a lot of money uh, for my age at the time. And eventually, you just you kind of have to make a choice, you know. And I made the choice just to uh, pursue my career because I guess, it, you know, you kind of given that kind of the environment that there is in New York, I kind of just doubted myself too. I was like, I don't know if I if I could make it, you know. I felt like some people knew more than me, and I didn't know too like everything, you know. Uh, about you know i i put too many things in my head right you could really you could this is a big detriment you know to i think to artists or anybody you could put so many things in your head as to why not not as to why you know and that was my problem i was saying oh well uh, i don't know you know kind of how to i don't know how to give an example but like no i know i know what you, you mean know, route it's... sound through cdjs or do all this or what if i get a random setup and i'm not used to this kind of like mixer, you know, obviously when you know the basics, you know everything. I know that now, but I just it felt like I was just like a, a schlep with tractor and in a Hercules, you know, but at, at the start and eventually started playing parties and, and decent music. And I got a lot of positive feedback and it's kind of, you know, too little, too late. And the why, uh, you know, the what ifs kind of took over the, the why, uh, you know, why not, you know, and kind of now. It's a bit of a regret of mine. I definitely could definitely have gone out, could have been gone further with this big time, you know, but I think I would have definitely took a big hit, you know, during COVID as well. But these are all, you know, oh, subjective yeah. things that are not going to be perhaps true, but, I, you know, it's never too late to start. Um, and it's still a dream of mine. And I do believe in myself. I mean, there, there are DJs that started and got their first big break at 40. You know, Jeff Bezos became a billionaire, uh, you know, and he started his thing, uh, Amazon at 32 or whatever his age was. So I think it's never too late. And I think that now with all, all I feel like I have every single uh, everything under my belt, you know, that, I, that I'm ready to really tackle anything in the game and I'm going to attack it now. And that's kind of, you know, who I am as a personality. I like to be extremely overly prepared, uh, kind of no, you know, with a contingency plan and everything. So. To my detriment, of course, but my mentality is different now. Back then, I guess I wasn't too confident in myself getting that far. I I don't think it's easy. I mean, right. yeah, I don't think it's harder now. You said it, you said it's gonna be it's harder now because it's saturated. 
Yeah, it is saturated, but it's um, satu- it's not saturated with great producers and great DJs. You know, it's it's saturated with shit producers, shit DJs. They're probably they're probably there are definitely some more good DJs, but there's still a lot more shit. So it's just it's just um like a numbers game. If you have Let's say you have, let's say 10 years ago, you had 100 DJs in the game, right? And 10% of those, so 10 of those were great. And, you know, the bottom 10% was shit. And then there was just a middle, right? Just fumbling around trying to make it. If you have 1,000, those those percentages don't really change much. The same thing, 10% of the top, or even like, let's, just, let's say like 10% of the top, 70% of the bottom. You could just, they're trash, or they're trash, they suck. They don't work hard. Uh, so if you're better and you work harder and you outwork them, you can get to that 10%. So, and also in, in today's age, you can go around the gatekeepers now, right? You got the internet. You build your own you build your own fans and community. You put your own music out there. You don't have to wait. Definitely because of Spotify, you don't have to wait to get signed to a label. Uh, you don't have to ask promoters for a gig because if you have a big following, if you have 10,000 people, that are following you. And let's say a hundred of those will buy tickets to go to your party. Bro, you're going to get booked. That's a hundred tickets. You know how hard it is to, for even a promoter to sell a hundred tickets? Like some promoters, they bring 20, 30 people if they really go hard. Nobody's selling a hundred tickets. But if you have 25,000 followers and you have maybe, let's say 500 people that will buy tickets to go see you like that. That matters. So money always talks. And if you can sell tickets and you are a decent DJ and you have some decent releases, you go, man. So I, I actually think it's easier today than back in the day because you, the gatekeepers don't matter too much nowadays, you know? So you can't, I mean, they still gatekeep because, you know, well, you can't, you can't get these gigs here. But okay, so I'll do it a little. It'll take me a little bit longer, but I'll build my own fan base, and I'll just go around you, and and also, we'll do our own fucking parties. So, right? So fuck that. Uh, yeah, no. So my rebuttal to that is that I wasn't necessarily talking about production, more so DJing. Uh, yeah, and yeah, me too. Just uh, just a rebuttal that I would even give to that, and I agree wholeheartedly with all the points you said. But if you really look at look at it. Nowadays, right? There could be crap DJs these days, but if you have a decent brand following, which kind of goes with what you said, and the current climate where the palette for people's palette for music is extremely weak and and uh, watered down, to be honest, like you know, people could throw just a Bad Bunny acapella in a song or play something that's Bad Bunny. People will say, "Oh my God, it's such a great song," you know. And of course, nothing to take away from Bad Bunny; he's an amazing artist, but. If you play something that has, you know, edits of top 40 and then you have a brand or you're, you know, uh, you know, and I'll say, it, uh, you know, a, a good looking female or something like that. Or you, know, you you make quirky videos and you have a personality besides the DJing, uh, you can make it. So I think it's kind of harder now for somebody that's true to the game versus kind of somebody that is a little bit more uh, weaker palated. But that's kind of, you know, yeah, that's but one true, element of it. But what, what's what's true to the game, right? Because... well, so. True to the game back then, if you wanted to get out there, you still have to, you know, people call it, 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 it's called social media, right? But it's really just marketing. And if you want to sell something, whatever it is, 
you have to tell the people, right? So if Coca-Cola wants to sell Coca-Cola, they have to tell the people, right? So they have to do marketing. If you want to sell yourself to get booked, you have to tell people. So if it was 20 years ago, I don't know, it might have been flyers that you were throwing around the club so they know who you are as a DJ. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't really know how they did it back then because when I came up, I was on MySpace. And that's how I like got noticed by some promoters. They didn't I think I maybe got like one or two bookings from it, but I got noticed by the other promoters that were doing parties. So when I had a connection in, they already knew they're like, oh, this kid is hustling because I don't know if you remember remember MySpace, but like the top left was like you can put like announcements and it would go on everybody's like announcement section. Bro, I would spam that shit with mixes, things about me, blah 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 blah. And um yeah, so it's still telling people, but I don't know how they did it back in the day when there was so, no social uh, media. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I could tell you because uh, I had a lot of friends who were doing this uh, back then. So, truly, the rite of passage or it's way, the way to get your name out there and the nexus of uh, kind of up-and-coming DJs was Pasha NYC, right? In order to get a gig whatsoever, you had to be a promoter as well. And as you're oh, yeah, promoting, yeah, you had to sell... Uh, 20, tickets. 30 tickets to everything. If you sell 50, that was like a carrot and of, uh, you know, on a stick for, for the DJ. Mm-hmm. If you sell 50 tickets, then you'll get a, you know, a slot to play at Pasha NYC. And then you have that kind of, uh, that rapport now because you're on a flyer, you played in the basement, you know, you you kind of make friends because you already are selling the tickets. People know mm-hmm. you're a ticket guy and they know that you're a DJ, right? So you have the name DJ Mike W. People say, oh yeah, DJ Mike W selling the ticket. Let me go see him downstairs, you know? So back then, it kind of that was like the, the kind of the the hurdle to get through. And like you said, it's kind of oh yeah, selling tickets it, always, yeah. No, yeah. So I mean, it, but this is kind of goes with your 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 point here. You know that now you you know your brand or you know your social media following equates to ticket sales, and you could go around kind of that promoter requirement. But at the time, kind of just going back to kind of my discussion of myself, it felt like. It was disheartening, you know, like ticket sales. I probably could have done it. I probably could have put in the work, you know, just like I'm not really like a, a promoter or a ticket sales guy. I really just truly loves to DJ, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, just ate it up and did it. And maybe I could have and maybe I could have, you know, uh, been further there. But, you know, a lot of the guys that I know that did that back in the day, uh, I don't I don't see them any further than they were than Pasha Basement. And, you know, I'm not going to yeah. take names here, but I, I really, you know, I look at all the people I've seen on the bills there and. Some still get, you know, cool gigs or they rode with the right people, right? Connections, right? Connections are the most oh, yeah. imperative thing. Always, and always. you could be a crab DJ and be, and be connected. I mean, be, be placed into, into parties. Yeah. So, I mean, perhaps, you know, I had the connections back then as well. But it's kind of like when I was looking at my Hercules and I was looking at the at those DJ rigs for the professional, professional DJ rig, it still felt like rocket science. And I would observe all the DJs, like science, you know, like what they did, how they beat matched. I truly, you know, went to the party, but truly went to learn a lesson there majority of the time. And, you know, for majority of the time that I went, you know, I was sober, right? Like in terms of that, no drinking, nothing, you know? I really just enjoying the music, watching how people DJed, kind of learning from that, this track selection, kind of collaborating. I even had, you know, a DJ give me one of his USBs at the time. I still have it to this day. It's on my, it's on my decks. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I have no regrets in the path that I took. I think I have a uh, quite an arsenal of knowledge these days about the game. I know 
a lot about DJing equipment, be matching. Now I'm adding into my uh, kind of my arsenal production. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm kind of, I'm ready to go to go at it now. Perhaps it was a conservative way to go. I probably could have been much further these days. Um, now, you know, I kind of have to take the social media route. I'm not the biggest fan. I'm creating, you know, obviously you create, it's obstacles you create for yourself in your mind. You just got to just conquer them. And that's kind of, you know, been my problem. Uh, but absolutely. Anything that you do that you want to excel in, there's, you know, you got to, there's going to be things that you don't like. You like to make money, right? I mean, who doesn't, yeah? of course. Do you like to work every day, a corporate job? I don't have it bad, but, you know, it's not my ideal state, yeah. obviously. Of course. Yeah, I know. No, you have it great, actually. But even having it so great, right? Nobody wants to work a corporate job every day, right? So it's just like the, I see I see, I see, see DJing and like being a producer, the same thing. Like, I just want to DJ and produce music, bro. I don't want to do any of the extra stuff. Now, I do have fun doing the social media stuff, but I get tired of it. You know, I get it. I get it going waves. You know, I go in waves like a bunch of times and then I'm like, oh, I get tired of it. And that's the job part, man. I think I think most people are like that, especially that we're doing it ourselves. You know, we don't have anybody recording us and editing for us. So we got to do all that fucking shit. Record, edit, think about the copy, write the copy, post it, remember to post. All this, all this fucking, so much fucking shit on top of trying to make good music or trying to put out a good, uh, trying to put on a, trying to get time to make a mix, right? You know, because that's another thing. So, yeah, man, it's just, there's so much shit that goes into it, man. I, I think, I know people don't know it. They don't know fucking, just talking about it now, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, man, there's no fucking time to do all that shit by yourself. Like, the social media, and it's not only, when I say social media, it's not like, oh, it's just Instagram. No, it's, it's reels, stories. It's a post on, on the regular feed. Uh, it's a TikTok. It's a YouTube short, and you can't use the same video for all of them because they're different. And the algorithm will strike you down if, so Instagram will strike you down if you just download the TikTok video because it has a TikTok on it. So they'll strike that one down. So it won't get as many views. TikTok, they don't want you. So if I take my video and edit it on my video editor and put text, they don't want you doing that. They'll strike it down too. They want you to edit it on their editor on TikTok. So, because you could have just taken that from Instagram and then just repurposed it for TikTok. So they want you to make content just for TikTok, even the fucking text where you write the text. It's like, damn, why can't I just put it in my video editor and then just put it on TikTok? No, we got to strike you down for that. When I say strike down, like less people, they don't push it as hard. So, and YouTube, same thing. If you just download the TikTok one and it has the TikTok watermark, they're not gonna. It's not gonna get you know more views because I, I I've done it just to test, and the if I do it the way each platform wants, those videos have more views than me just repurposing a video from another platform on the current platform. So so yeah, that shit is annoying, but I guess it's part of the fucking game, man. Um, and there's no way it's there's no way around it these days, especially these days. So I try to make it. I try to make it fun. So whatever, whatever is fun to you or like, or to make it easy, it's like, Hey, when you're working on your track, 
just fucking record a 15 second about of the congas. Like, oh shit, I'm working on these congas. This is how it sounds. Record the fucking Ableton. Boom. Just start with reels. Put it on reels. And boom, that's a piece of content, right? And there's, you know, you don't have to overthink it. Uh, but sometimes I forget to do that too because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the production and I lose myself and I'm like, ah, fuck, I didn't record anything, you know? So that's another problem. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I agree. I mean, not that I, uh, I guess, not, not that I like hate social media. I just kind of hate what it's like kind of uh, about and how. I guess time consuming it is to your attention, right? Uh, and it could really take you off on a tangent, even in what you're focused on, right? Your production, your DJing, but it is imperative to your brand. Like literally, it's kind of like I'll put it this way to any listener: if uh, if you never asked a question, the answer is always no, right? Is you could really put that to yourself in terms of exposing your brand and. If people don't know who you are, the answer is always no. The answer is no to being a DJ. The answer is no for you to get a gig. The answer is no for you to get your music yeah. out. The answer is no to, to everything. The answer is no yeah. forever. And that's kind of what I tell myself in the back of my head nowadays. And maybe I wish I did that years ago. Where there wasn't the social media influence. Or there was a little bit on Facebook, this and that. But, you know, there was still a lot of avenues that were available, right? SoundCloud and to post your yeah. mixes. MixCloud was getting very popular in those days. I posted my mixes a lot. My friends listened to them. Some of them got them in the hundreds range, you know, but as, as far as it went. So I'm not really, you know, I'm just not like, I'm just not my, I don't feel like my personality like really there for it. But like you said, you can always be very creative around it, record, look at these congas, see what I did next and my next reel or my next TikTok or whatever it is. Yeah. You actually just reminded me to create a TikTok and, you know, if you put in the work there, that's like, you know, there's that meme going around 75% is social media for a DJ or a producer, mm-hmm. 25 is the actual work. And literally, you know, that's what it has to be. You have to be a social media expert. I mean, when you think about it this way, even if we do, and you have a very good understanding of it, you know, in terms of the algorithms and what, what works where and what, what platform is good for what uh, and sharing certain things. But if you become the social media expert, kind of a social brand media, whatever they call those people, analysts or advisors, social media advisors, and you know how to produce, and you know how to DJ, and you know how to brand yourself really well, and you know how to market, and you know how to do all these things, you are literally unstoppable, right? And we're, you know, we're kind of picking away all these things. Like DJ, we have under the belt. There's nothing much to study more. Perhaps new equipment. I'd love to kind of play on the DJM, the V10. Uh, that you know that'd be great but there's not much different than you know using a 900 nexus production it's infinite knowledge that you could really uh, research and learn and really for brand man you know brand management and uh, social media kind of management and kind of just creating your brand that's also a different element if you learn all those things i think you could be truly unstoppable and these are a lot of things that are applicable outside of you know the this world, but if you're truly passionate about it, kind of going to the point where you said for me in the past, you know, you need to go all in on this stuff, right? And that's kind of what I realize now. You need to really go all in. You can't kind of say, oh, I know how to do brand management. Let me be a social media advisor now. Like, no, you need to put in 110% into getting your social media right, getting everything exposed, right? My hurdle was the DJ name. Definitely should have taken that long, but perhaps, you know, everything has has its purpose. And, you know, now I can really work around that brand. I already have a ton of ideas that I kind of want to already like play into. So I really think, you know, the arsenal we're building over knowledge and, and kind of knowing how to approach things 
it will make us unstoppable uh, and in the future. And I think the outlook looks very, very positive, you know, for, for myself, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, and listen, if yeah. I've come into the game where, uh, you know, you think DJs like to, you know, do social media, you think DJs say, oh, yeah, let me do a TikTok. Let me post a story, you know. They don't. But like that guy sidekick, the guy that wears the mask, he does, you know, very cool mashups. But, you know, he has a great following. But now he has gigs like Marquee. Just because, just because during uh, the quarantine, he was making cool mashups that people were sharing him. I feel like yeah. the hype died or died out around him, and then he started this whole new trend of like you know these horrible mashups that people do all day on there, right? And you kind of look at it and you say, listen, if I'm coming with a game of very, very deep and good music knowledge, and I play very good music, and I know how to DJ well, then your competition is really guys like doing mashups or playing kind of commercial house, and I'm building a brand around my genuine self. I think, you know, sky's really the limit, um, you know, for, yeah. for the future. So it's never it too late. Depends. It also depends if, you know, if people like it. People got to people gotta like you, you know? Like, obviously, whoever that – I didn't even hear about this mask guy, but if he he got big because people were interested in the silly stuff that he was doing, you know? Well, Unfortunately, the consumer isn't – the consumer isn't uh, – what's the word I want to use? Sold something, I guess. You know, they gained some value from it. No, no, really I'm saying the, co- the consumer doesn't care. Like the person that consumer, the person that goes out, right? The average one, they want to just fucking party, dance. They don't care. Like they don't care. Like oh, the music is like this or like that. You know, like they just fucking okay. A guy got a mask on. Oh, that's fun. You know how people are, right? On on social, like it's silly to us, right? Like we're not gonna go see him because of a mask, like. We want to see, you know, like Marco Corolla or <laughs> East and Doves, Chris Dusty, you know, people, because we are into the music, music, right? Yeah. And there's a, there's like, within that, like in that music, there's a culture of like us people that like that music, you know? It's a certain type of person that goes to like a Chris Dusty party, you know? A person that goes to a, goes to a Chris Dusty party is probably not going to go to a John Summit party. Right? You won't see John Summit party is more of like the Izu crowd, you know, EDM. Yeah. He does cross over a bit, you know, but it's more the commercial tech house and commercial tech house is the new EDM. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But he, so, he brings a brand around it though. I don't mean to interrupt huge, you, but he, he, he does huge. bring a brand. That, no, but his brand is, you know, let's, let's get, uh, let's get messed up. Like, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. Get, let's get, let's get drunk. Let's, let's do, you know, uh, uh, substances right bender let's go on a bender yes sorry the, the mind left my the word left my mind but let's go on a bender woo you know in today's day and age people are very like getting the most going on benders more than ever to be honest that's just the day and age we are in and you know there's a whole brand around it and i think even if you have something that's, that's quite niche in terms of sound there has to be like a cool a cool little name or kind of niche to it you know what i mean like oh uh like a nickname for like we're gonna go and do this right but it's really you playing like awesome beats right it's like kind of like you know we're gonna go i don't know we're going to the jungle today right just uh, completely an example sake i think that could kind of break you away from the niche and even in whatever following you have you could say uh like even there's a dj in new york here right it's mamba time right they call him black mamba Oh, it's Mamba time. So you kind of there's a cool little like edge to to what's gonna happen when I'm DJing, right? And that's kind of like what's really important to develop when you're doing your brand. That's kind of what I'm trying to figure out now. 
uh like grande, bro. Grande. yeah grande vibes or late night vibes we're going late tonight you know what i mean something like that uh you know i'm already coming up you know with other things but you know that's kind of what's important right i, I can't really like kind of vibe with the bender kind of uh, idea but you see that's kind of why he has a, a whole like such a following yeah we're going to bend it himself yeah. he records himself getting drunk or oh i blacked out i woke up in Times square like it, it's funny but it's also like you know, it's a, not the best message, you know, to 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 the yeah, consumer. Yeah, but I think, yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking that before too. It's interesting that you thought that, but I I think like at least seventy percent of it is just an act because he's DJing like real, you know, um, real big venues and real big uh, festivals, and I, when you're DJing a festival, you got to be on point. I don't think you know he's he's having a couple of drinks, but I think it's all an act, like oh the bender all the time, because you know it's part of the the aura of him and the and the brand, you know, and it works because his crowd is super young, kids that go to co- kids in college or kids just out of college, uh, I, it's it's probably rare he has anybody over thirty that are big fans of his because you know over thirty you know you're not going out as much as as before getting that 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 wrecked like you know he talks i mean you 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 probably you probably know like it is it's young it's a younger crowd at a festival you know you remember where where did we go that you were like that i feel mad young in here i feel old here oh uh the morristown place that bar yeah I yeah bar. yeah because uh, yeah, it was a young crowd right yeah that's the equivalent <laughs> of it i mean even if you think yeah. back to the day when social media started getting started like i think diplo was the dj that had the bananas Everybody dressed as a banana to the party. Was that him? I thought I thought that was Data Life. Remember Data Life? Oh, Data Life. Life. Yeah, my bad. Data yeah. Life. Yeah, yeah. Diplo had something else, but similar to that, right? You need like these quirky things that go with the trends with young people. You got to see who your target audience is too. You know, I'm trying to. You know, my target audience is kind of more European than 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 the U.S. side, right? And kind of that just goes to, I think to this day, it's still not a very developed kind of culture here around the music, but we know we've had a million discussions about these yeah, things yeah. but my target yeah. audience is really more and more in europe and like once they ride with you they will ride with you if a dj plays a, one of your tracks they will play for you if they ever let you open up for them somewhere they will they will ride with you they will follow you forever though you know so i think that's my you got to figure out your target audience like you said you know and you cannot have, have a cool like edge to it you know in, in europe i don't think there's so much so of that type of uh edge to it right the brand is there and a lot of things are more country based. They'll ride for people who represent their country too, which kind of helps, kind of uh, helps the the brand. As opposed to here, it has to have like a little edge to it, like an ethos, you know, where it's like, yeah, we're, we're Bender, or yeah, it's dressed as bananas, or um, I forgot. <laughs> there were so many. There were so many silly things like the candy movement. Like, where did that come from? Where, where, where marshmallow? Where? Marshmallow, yeah, having the hat, the silly hat on. In Europe, there's nobody wearing a silly hat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not going to be wearing I a know. silly mask or silly hat. I'm a very, like, you know, I'm not a – that's not my personality and that's not my message. I, if it takes me longer to figure it out and have an ethos of being just a regular dude playing proper music and kind of having, you know, we're going late night and maybe make my thing, like, you know, I play extended sets, you know, only, right? Or my all my recordings will be extended sets, something like that. Then, yeah, you know, I think that's – that's kind of what I'll have to go down. But 
the the best ideal situation, you know, I, in my opinion, would be to have, of course, the U.S. audience and an international audience, and then kind of grow it out to um, kind of uh, to the to Europe, right? Because, like, I'll give you an example: the theme that Martinez Brothers brings, right? That kind of New York grit, this and that, like how how they design, I guess, space for space closing. That does not transfer, excuse me, so much to European culture, right? So it's not really interchangeable. People love New York, right? And so many DJs lived here. All the big heavy hitters, every single one of them lived here. Jamie Jones, Loco Dice, uh, Richie Houghton. Like literally everybody has lived in New York, right? This is the nexus of getting your name out there, exposing yourself to the U.S. crowd. I mean, literally Richie Houghton went on a tour here to expose people to proper electronic music. I don't know if you remember Enter. He literally had a tour here. He had uh, not Enter. Um... Oh, he had a whole brand where he brought like local dice and teeny and he was having like these symposiums before, um, before his DJ gig and would teach people about electronic DJ using tractor, using the, the K one, uh, that was designed, I think not by tractor, but it doesn't matter who designed it. Right. Basically teaching about electronic, uh, kind of proper electronic music and using kind of a laptop DJing. And then he had like a party after. I forgot what it was called, but he literally had to do that to expose and kind of like get people to like really understand and like what 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 it truly is and what what's what's it rooted from, right? Because of this EDM invasion that happened here, right? So you know, like it's hard to grasp both audiences, but the beauty beauty of the United States is that some elements or there's always a following of something that's happening you know around the world here right so let's just say you're targeting like uh the ibiza crowd there are people who live for ibiza and they love ibiza parties and if your theme is ibiza you will find some audience here for that yeah the problem course, is yeah. it just doesn't have that much of a cultivating ground because it's not that many people and you have to have some engaging ethos in your in your, in your, in your brand and everything so well i mean yeah. you can also grow you can also create a movement you know it, it, like I see it, I see it in a way like you have the people that like that movement already, but let's say it's not enough. But then people that are like learning about your movement, they're like, "Oh, I like this movement," and then they start joining in, and then just you know they bring friends and friends and friends. So you can also create a movement. Like I think to me, I think Music On is like that. Is did that because there wasn't anything like that, you know where. I've, to me, MusicCon is it's like the cool, fresh, um, it's like the the Audi or BMW of house music parties, you know? Like luxury. Like it's just, what's, what's the word? But it's all of that, you know? All of that shit. That's, that's what the whole brand, the party is to me, the style of music that he plays. Like that's that's what I get when I think of MusicCon. And I don't think there was anything like that before that, you know? So he created yeah. that movement. It's more like it's elegant, right? I think that's the word you could put to it. Uh, elegant party, but not necessarily because it gets it gets ratchet, right? Uh, you know, for lack of a better but term, I got it. Undercover, but, but you don't know, you know? It's like you go to EDM, you see kids on candy or not on candy, like wearing candy and fuzzy boots, and they're like this, like on the floor. Yeah. yeah. But you go to music comp party, you know? got the sunglasses on it's all that like bender shit or fuck that it's hidden you know yeah, but the, facade, yeah. the facade there is like oh i got everything under control 
yeah dress nice don't act a fool like you know yeah. respect yeah. and it's all about the music right i think that's the mantra at one point it's all about the music yeah. music on and it kind of just goes with the i guess the way that ibiza is as well it was kind of lacking that you had cocoon that was quite you know proper and it was derived from that a lot of parties you'd be surprised were derived from cocoon um that are kind of prevalent in uh in ibiza nowadays like that was kind of the rite of passage for many DJs that had residencies with Cocoon, kind of mm-hmm. taught them the game. Like, because, like, even, like, I'll put it like this, right? A good comparison. You could be a good hip-hop DJ, right? And you throw parties, you have a good brand. Um, people say, oh, yeah, it's going to be a movie tonight. It's, you know, we're coming out <laughs> for this DJ, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say you get invited to play a radio show, right? You get a segment on the radio show every day. There's two different games, right? You can know how to DJ, but then there's the radio show aspect. You need to know the radio game, how to play certain radio, how to get clean edits of every single song, what time of the day is expected, what music. Like, there's a whole science to this, it's and that's what kind. Of, and Cocoon was kind of the equivalent of the radio or the radio DJ experience, right? How you throw the party, how you throw a brand, how you manage a brand uh, in Ibiza, how do you promote everything. Um, uh, how do you send artists? What's the mantra of your of your brand, right? Like that, that kind of brand and like parties that happened in Ibiza where they always existed, but they weren't had such a strong following behind just one DJ, right? Cocoon was kind of a uh, whole mix of, of everybody, and I think it was a rite of passage for many of them uh, in order to get where, where they are, you know. So it's interesting you know it kind of goes to conversation with the brand i'm still trying to figure that out but it's kind of going to be something like extended set late night you know kind of it's tough because in new york after hours really expects a certain sound it's that old 2010 sound and you know they of course I wa- yeah and you want sorry, you- sorry 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 uh, i didn't mean to cut you off but just want to say one thing yeah they expect it but you create your brand if you get booked they gotta expect what you bring. Plus, you know, no, you absolutely. Your, to your party, your crowd is coming out, or you you do your own after hours party. So there's no expectations. The expectation is the only yours. You know, whatever you want to do, play. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, that, that's for sure. And like, I see a shift happening nowadays here. That's kind of going into my favor. That they're switching the sound. There's a bit more in, uh, kind of interest into more of. The grande, quote unquote, air quotes sound that that that's out there, more groovier sound is coming into the after hour scene of New York. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily I'm striving to get to the after hour circuit here, but it is a, a great start, and it kind of could go with my brand and and my DJ name, etc. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that more, more to come. Uh, that kind of you know comes around my branding, my DJ name. It's a new start for me, right? And kind of just going back from the start, the kind of the doubtfulness or kind of, you know, the hurdles, you can make a thousand excuses in your life, you know, uh, in terms of why you not did, did you didn't do anything or. Yeah. It's uh, not going to dwell on it. Exactly. The, the best start time to start is now. Right. Like, I think I told you that kind of, uh, that, that proverb, the Chinese proverb, yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. Right. <clears throat> uh, so that, that's kind of my mantra in this and I'm coming in, you know, extremely equipped with a crap ton of knowledge i'm so ready i could i could literally you know wire an entire party perhaps set up or tune the sound perhaps not a hundred percent but 
kind of have a different ideas, decent idea, excuse me, uh, from it, from YouTube videos. Uh, I think I could really come with a lot, you know, I think I could definitely come up with, you know, with the, our brand that we have now, come up with a dope theme for a party. Uh, if I want to throw a party anywhere, I could literally do that because we've done that together. Uh, production, getting into production. And now it's really just, you know, having, learning the branding element of it. So I think I bring a lot to the table and I already have, you know, somewhat of a small following, which is just friends and people from my old DJ page that, you know, supported me uh, and old acquaintances, you know, in the scene. Some people retired, some people stopped, some people are kind of going full steam ahead and I'm just joining right, as, uh, right alongside them. So what do you get? What's next? So what's next? What are the, uh, I don't want to say steps, but. Like, where do you see yourself going next with this? Like, what what's your next move? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great question. So, I mean, uh, you know, as I shouted on my Instagram early on, uh, I'm going to be working on a lot of content. I mean, I've been a little bit occupied uh, with my you know personal life, you see. But again, with the excuses. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much uh, going to be growing my brand on Instagram, trying to grow a following. Uh, gonna be definitely trying to make a lot more connections in the city. Uh, probably you know play play a gig here real soon, and then my new alias. Um, you know there's gonna be a SoundCloud coming out, which I already have created. I'm gonna be doing mixes, the frequency to be determined. Uh, but perhaps you know on a weekly basis uh, under my my new DJ name. So in, in actuality, I'm gonna be coming strong with the content, trying to make a lot of connections. You know, I think the most important thing is to follow uh, some promoters that and kind of party throwers that are there. And also a uh, major interest that I'll have is as I grow my brand, I want to grow Obri brand uh, because I think those two things work in conjunction and together with Obri and my DJ name and everything. And our upcoming party could be a great debut for my DJ name, myself. Um, yes. And, you know, we could leverage that content for uh, a lot of things, just to display the vibe, display who we are about. But the most important thing has been the theme of this podcast is really having your uh, your branding correct. You got to get a craft ton, ton of content out of yourself, DJing, yourself producing, build a personality around your, you know, your, you know, late night that I have. Like even, for example, if you remember that DJ started making cartoons for all of his productions, so awesome idea and it's so nice and he's like i don't like to show my face but he found a solution to it so there's so many avenues you could take to resolve certain i guess uh, inhibitions that you have to you know let's say social media or showing yourself your real alias so is that a gimmick though like a mask thing what is that cartoons? what i have uh, but like instead of showing your face making a you know like making a cartoon like making a brand out of it is that a gimmick too though I don't know if it's uh, it's just different. I wouldn't say it's a it's a, it's a gimmick. It's just different ways to represent your music. Uh, like the mask. I don't know. Maybe the guy didn't want fame. I think that's just a gimmick. But he, why he's famous is the, the the silly mashups. Like I don't. I wouldn't call that a gimmick. He really just he wanted to say like I created this guy that was like the producer in these cartoons, and my the cartoon represents the song that I'm that I'm kind of playing, and there's like a whole story behind every single cartoon. Yeah, that's much cooler. I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a gimmick because it really just like it's like genuine content, but the message of the of the uh, is the music. Like that guy had like marble tables. He's all animated with his hands flying everywhere. He has a mask that's bedazzled with all these like yeah. little like fake diamonds, like. 
People yeah, love shiny act. things. Yeah, one is an act and the other one is branding. Yeah, that's exactly what I uh, kind of want to uh, like. Yeah, even like what's that guy with the with the with the with the weird mask that wears the gloves? Uh, oh, I, I know who you're talking about, but it's like it's like a light and it's black. Oh, oh the Clapton. big nose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, yeah, yeah or, 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 or Bo- Bo- Boris Breja. I mean, Boris Breja, I think he was like in some sort of fire and he was a little bit embarrassed of his appearance. But So he wore the mask. But, you know, he's a very talented guy for his genre. Uh, eventually, he <clears> let go of that, that inhibition he had of his appearance, you know, and he just took off the mask. But he plays it. Oh, he did? loved it. No, yeah, yeah. Um, he, there's, some, there's some gigs that he recorded where he doesn't have the mask on. But then, you know, you have Clapton, who has this, like, long, like, kind of, like, gimp. that's a, that's a gimmick. mask. It's a That's gimmick. A gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, you know, Boris Breja, I have to, like, respect his, uh, you know, his personal life, what happened to him. You know, I feel really bad. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's a, he was a, he got burned or something. So he, mm. he came up with an idea. You see, there's a difference, two different things, right? One guy hated shit yeah. on his face. He didn't like anything. Cartoon. Some guy had a very traumatic life experience. Mask. But this guy's just wearing a mask with white gloves looking like Mickey Mouse uh, on shrooms, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> so it's silly, but, you know, that 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 brand shot up crazy. You land in Ibiza, and uh, the 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 luggage belts all all have the mask on there, you know. So it blew up out of proportion, and people That's people wild. love love that stuff. People love those gimmicks, and sometimes you gotta just bite the bullet and create either a gimmick or or a proper brand. But the gimmick is the mm-hmm. fast route out, and you know, just yeah. the future of my career. The gimmick is the not sillier, the better, bro. The sillier, the yeah. better. That's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't, and that, that, that it kind of goes with what I was saying that we that more watered down palette that's there around with his music, but even people's taste in terms of what their interests are are very watered down these days. They get really impressed with the silliest of things, and perhaps life got so serious for a lot of people these days that maybe they need that relief. But uh, like I don't know, it's just not the message, and it's not the mantra of who I am as a DJ. And I, you know. Who knows? I, I can't necessarily speak to him and, and say I won't do it and then be a hypocrite and say, you know, I think I, 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 I told you what something. it I think I, I told you what it was. Uh when I, I sent you a message on Telegram earlier. It's that the type of people that go to these parties, they like silly stuff, you know? Because this you would never see something silly like that in hip hop. You know, hip hop uh, yeah. is a bit more more silly. the culture is like more serious and then you know there's also the beef culture you know beefing but there's there's no silliness so you know i mean there might be somebody that will try it and maybe you know they'll get the silly crowd that likes hip-hop but if you're going to be like really respect respected and like one of the top hip-hop artists there's no silliness it's, a, it's all about the music and you as a brand yeah uh but yeah they build a brand it's a bit more edgy right that that comes oh, with hip-hop but yeah uh yeah you know it's a bit more the culture is a little bit different it's more yeah. about women and 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 clothes and and you know kind of just showing out i guess you know and the rap these days really does have that as a theme uh under the music that they make house music has always been and always probably will be a very accepting uh kind of genre that brings everyone in so the silliness but you see there's so many different elements there's the silly part the silly uh, the elegant part the serious music the the techno crowd you know there's also you know the lgbtq plus crowd uh that have their their raves you know there's the hard techno crowd it's a very broad genre there's the edm crowd with yeah, the candy yeah. 
hip hop and rap, you know, there's, it's, you know, it's really just quite linear in terms of, um, mm -hmm. the following, you know, here, yeah. hip hop is, is like house music in, 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 in Europe or really UK, right. Comparing the two. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's completely different. Like there's radio stations that have house music, et cetera. Hip hop here has that. So it's really like linear because yeah. everyone will, will like it, whether, whatever denomination or kind of, you know, whoever you are, you, you'll have it. And some people just don't enjoy it. Uh, but the States have so many different genres and focuses and it's such a huge country that, you know, there's different places have different sounds of rap, you know, it kind of does go with also like house, you know, there's the, there's the Bay area sound, there's the New York sound, there's the Memphis sound, there's the Louisiana Baltimore. sound, the Baltimore sound, you know, there's, there's the Florida rap, right? They all dress different. They all sing about the, I mean, rap about different things. They also flex differently amongst each other. So there is always a variability there, but different there's not slang, much openness. Different accents. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, <clears throat> like in about house music always, you know, even since its start was really a, an at, a place, a safe place for people that, you know, are of any denomination or, you know, mm -hmm. with any, anything, anybody's accepted, you know? So yeah. it kind of opens the door to that silliness, but that's why I said it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it works. It works. And kind of like the way that it's shifting now, right, with this kind of like commercial tech house and everything and the silliness and the bender is kind of playing into the, all these kind of like things, you know, uh, kind of the, the silliness, the lowered water down pa uh, palette of just uh, lower level interest, kind of the, you know, people have a lot of bigger interest in getting, you know, kind of completely sloshed and messed up. And the music is just kind of like, second second to, to what they want to experience with the brand you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. that's that's definitely not a message or something that i'm trying to kind of deliver but i mean that's i can build a i think we can build a movement bro because i know it's different in europe and especially the uk but I, I get inspired by listening to these guys that you know started their parties from nothing just little parties and they're like they put a lot of hard work into it and they built a brand, they built a following and they just booked, it was their, their friends that they were, that were DJing. They never did any outside booking or anything. In fact, a bunch of them said when they did do an outside booking, like a big name act parties did bad Yeah, uh, because people said they just want to see, we just come here to hear, hear you guys. And um, so they don't do that. But I know it's different here, but I think there's always room to at least try and build a new movement. Because I think about it this, like this. Every year, there's a new cohort of people that start going out. You know, people turn mm -hmm. either 18 or, you know, 21. So there's always a new cohort. And, you know, even, I mean, you know, they start going out less and less, but you can catch people that like one certain style of house music catch them four years later now they're into your style of house music or like oh what's this what's happening over here and that you know that goes also to say like you need longevity to be able to get those other people that start coming in later but i think there's uh a way to build a movement and i forgot who said it but they said focus on like your he said your town because he's from uk focus on like getting everybody from your town to love your party like your friends your 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 like your first community, and then let it build from there. Uh, it's we it's interesting to do that in New York because 
especially, you know, you're older, you don't have like, like, let's say Queens where you live, like your people are not like right there. Like New York City is like everything, right? So it's a little different, but I think there's a way to build a, uh, a, a new movement. And I think, you know, we're at the infancy stage of it, like Obri, but I think we can do something with that. It's just, you know, getting, getting places to like allow us to throw a party there and not having to give them a, uh, what is it? What is it? You know, they want these, they want these bar guarantees. So, you know, getting a place that is willing to work with us while we build up this party, you know, whether it's monthly, quarterly or whatever. So, but I, I, I don't think I know we can do it. It just takes a little, take a little effort. No, I mean, you know, I have no doubt we will do it. You know what I mean? There's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be, you know, I think April is going to be a great start to to kind of like what's to come because, you know, we're really going to like formalize it. We did a test run and I'm, I'm really not lying here. The people constantly ask me like, when is the next party? When are you throw the next party? We're waiting for the next party. Like they, they, they truly ask for it, you know, and you kind of even like that's the DJ conversation. You kind of like self-doubt yourself. Uh, you know, it's a it's a human tendency. You self doubt yourself. Like, can I really do this? And like, you know, you definitely are a very positive influence to me. You know, in terms of not thinking in that box. You know, so I uh, thank you for that. But you know, I always say, hell yeah, we could do it. We could we could definitely make it happen. But it's constantly, you know, there really are people that support you. So whenever you feel like you know you you have one or two plays in your mixes, maybe you're just not really branding it correctly. It's not that you that, that you're horrible. You know, or something like that. But same thing for my DJing, like, oh, like, you know, when you're releasing a new mix, I have a friend that's constantly badgering me for it, you know, that puts the flame under you. And even if we have a semi-success in April, like, you know, we had like, you know, a kind of a dopamine high afterwards, like a glow, because it was so successful the first time. We're like, hell yeah, we're doing this every every week, you know, et cetera. We got to be realistic, you know? And... <laughs> So, you know, I think once we kind of get throw down a nice party in April, it will truly kind of br bring the brand and really make us a staple here. And I think the keys to that are hyper promotion, nonstop, like hyper promotion, like sharing it every day, using proper hashtags and having having promoted like like crazy, you know, and then, you know, perhaps a bit of upfront cost. But, you know, that's that that's the name of the game these days, you know. Uh, or some sort of upfront cost that that'll, that'll come with it, uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, if really you get just... a, if you, there's really no cost if you get a, if you get a small venue, there's really no cost to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only... I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'll say you know because <laughs> no, nobody wants to do anything for free these days, right? There's like you know, like you have to really bring value and a connection. And uh, anything, I feel like really a building, big selling point is building, bringing value. You know, mm. so they're always going to ask how many people are you bringing, right? We could definitely bring a salad. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's the that's the deal you have. Like, this, the deal that you get is we sell tickets, or even if we don't sell tickets, but they're going to make money at the bar. That's that's the the deal that the place gets. So you're bringing in people, they make money at the bar. We get tickets sold. Everybody's happy, so that that's how it works. Uh, but I mean, if if you go to like a club in the city, they're gonna want which we're not doing. Uh, but yeah, they always 
most likely, you know, oh, I need a bar guarantee. And they ask you to put a card up. So if the bar guarantee is like seven grand, you got to put your card up for seven grand. And if the bar makes a thousand, guess what? That six grand is coming out of the car. Yeah, so I never, I don't fuck with that shit. The fuck out of here. I don't fuck with that. But there's ways to do it. There's ways to do it. And, um, yeah, I think, I think and for us, we can do quarterly, but I think that idea that I brought up a while ago of the, like the season, the Obi season, and we have like, you know, three or four parties in different locations throughout the summer and the closing party. I think we could do that. It just takes, we got to get someone or like at least two, at least two or three venues. That way it could be like a, an experience. It's a different place every time. One can be a pop-up, you know, somewhere in the street or the park again. And, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of time to think in the next two weeks, so I'm, I can like actually like really think about it and write shit out and and see. But it's all about just getting locking down the venue. Um, I, I actually have a an idea uh, for us that I can't necessarily bring up on the pod just in case somebody steals it. But I know an outdoor venue, uh, and I don't think because the person who threw the party there there was no like. Um, it, I don't see them putting up a bar guarantee or anything, and that venue gets packed out. But of course, it's a bit, it's branded because it is kind of a, a Colombian party. It's still tech house, mm-hmm. but it's a Colombian party, mm-hmm. and you know they they stick together in terms of the parties and they support each other a lot. So we love to tap into that market um, in terms of uh, the idea that I actually have. But I think the season's a great idea because it kind of um, it gives you. It's kind of like any business, right? It gives you data analytics. How many people came? Um, did this model work? You know, is it sustainable? Perhaps we just kind of, you know, finagled this season into becoming a forever thing, right? And it's really just, it's such a perfect formula, right? Because it's building our DJ brand. It's building our brand. It's building um, a following for us. It's giving us an experience of how to run parties, how to promote parties, how to promote ourselves, um also it'll kind of give us tons of content for for our branding for our, our dj pages mm-hmm. uh, we could we could get a videographer record the party make it look crazy you need to like really those are things that kind of need to invest in like screw the bar guarantee I yeah, think yeah, yeah. For people love a movie people love a presentation these days you got to play into it unfortunately but having a videographer come in film it edit the video you know real nice and show cool moments in the show like kind of like you know having a general song playing but then kind of having it pan out and then having you play you know and then a crowd reaction and boom back to the play and then you have me then a crowd reaction you playing like these are things that people like love and then you have people promoting it sharing it for you your friends you know at first you're gonna yeah. get the ultimate support everyone's like yeah i'll share it i got you that was a great party eventually mm. you're gonna start being annoyed oh i'm not sharing it i already shared everything mm. before you know so you gotta kind of come with the proper bullet in the chamber when you have what the right thing kind of set up, but there's, there's so many things you could do with branding that could really grow everything. And I think, you know, videographer is really important. Uh, even if you have, you know, 10 people there, it's still like shows, you know, of course, yeah, and something, something, something that's, uh, that's going on, but I, I don't think it's that possible. There's still, if you're using something that has an existing audience or uh, patrons, they will still come there that date, nevertheless. And if you negotiate something well with an owner, you're still going to have those people, you know, and you throw a great party, not, you know, we're not horrible DJs. We're going to really throw a great party. And if mm-hmm. we know 
there's a decent crowd, enough crowd, we'll make a video out of it. Bring a videographer. We'll pay him whatever it is, right? That's the proper investments to make because you, you gain so much from uh, in terms of a DJ, the brand, content. I mean, it's 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 never ending, you know? And maybe you could come up with something, you know, even the influence of a videographer, come up with some sort of, you know, extra theme or edge, you know, like John, John Summit's uh, Bender aspect, but our version of it, right? Like maybe yeah. something playing into, you know, I mean, I'm not going to spill all the ideas here, but um, has to play into something that's in New York and that has a lot of uh, party goers, you know, that are ready to go. And I think summer is a very great cultivating ground for this. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, cool. Yo, this was a good one, man. This is this is gonna be great for both, actually, both both pods. So, um, I think we we ended right here, and because we got a lot more to talk about for the next one, and we'll do the next one maybe next week. And uh, yeah, so yeah, keep listening, keep uh, tuning in, and give us a five star rating, please, because that that'll really help us out. And um, Find Mike on LateNight.OFC. Find me at Danny Vell's Music on all platforms. And hopefully you come out to our party this summer. Yeah, uh, it's really important. Please, we just ask for the five star. Uh, you know, we're going to bring bringing a lot of game to everybody. We want to share a lot of free information. As we learn some lessons, we want to share on these podcasts. And all we ask for is a like, a follow, a five-star review on Spotify. And, you know, soon we'll definitely be posting on YouTube. And when we do, we'll definitely make the audience known about that. But thank everyone for tuning in. Yeah, thanks. Peace out.